might make history. Hello and welcome to the Arts of All podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Tangerive, and it's been quite a long time, guys. I actually don't remember when the last time I uploaded a podcast was. Um, and I also realized that I also got the episodes mixed up. But at this point, there's a podcast out. I don't really think there's that much of an issue. Um, so honestly, we're going to get right into it. And this podcast is going to be short and sweet just because I'm not going to really go too into depth. I don't have any interviews lined up, um, but those will be coming on the way. Um, I know I always say this. I'm going to try and get this out with some type of regularity. But, you know, it's my podcast. I guess I can do whatever I want, really. It's not really anyone to tell me otherwise. I'm not getting paid for this. Um, but I try to. I really do try to do this, but we're going to go right into it. So there's a lot of things I want to touch. I'm going to really just gloss over them, um, give my opinion on them, and then hopefully next episode will be a little bit longer, a little bit more in-depth, and hopefully I'll have somebody with me to kind of bounce questions off of, um, whether an Arsenal fan or maybe perhaps someone who's outside of the Arsenal fan base, maybe someone else who's a fan of a different Premier League team. So we're going to really... Uh, because it's always good to get like the outside perspective, right? Because when you're an Arsenal fan, <laughs> there's, it's a dumpster dumpster fire 24-7. And speaking of dumpster fires, um, Manchester United are in the shit. So there's a lot to celebrate. But looking at the summer transfer window, it's hard not to feel confident going into the season. I'm going to be honest with you. I usually don't watch Arsenal's preseason games because I really don't really give a shit usually um and i'm not sure if it's because the, i didn't go watch arsenal play by the way i live in the u.s as most of you know and maybe you could tell by my very uh amazing american accent but arsenal had me really excited i actually was tuning into the preseason games and i don't know about many of you guys but i really don't usually watch it but with saliba coming back with Gabriel Jesus coming in, with Sinchenko coming in, with uh, with Vieira coming in, it's kind of hard not to feel like, whoa, hold on. We just barely missed top four last season. Um, and after that first game, which was, I was honestly expecting a loss, but I think that was just because of the, you know, the trauma that I sustained from that 3-0 loss at Southhurst Park last season. <sighs> that was a rough one to watch. Um, but the the confidence the control of the game that we displayed on our opening game and even more importantly it was the opening game of the premier league season and arsenal were just was it perfect no absolutely not um but there was there was something different about that performance compared to uh last year when we lost the opening game as well against brentford um this time we kind of uh, made amends and it's hard to say it's hard to argue that the aim for this season is not top four it would be hard to argue that it aim has to be top four you can kind of i mean i don't even know if you really want to say liverpool are kind of cemented i mean i don't know that game against fulham uh fulham i don't know they had all the play all the players were just kind of like second to the ball were like like kind of like i'm not too sure what the word is but that was not liverpool i mean knowing uh you're in club they're probably gonna come back but Arsenal have a very good opportunity to get top four, and that should be the aim. And that should be where Arteta is uh, judged upon, for sure. And I know over the years, it's always been like Arteta in, Arteta out. I've been always, I've been mostly Arteta, and even though I don't like to use those words, but I've been an advocate for Arteta because 
I kind of see where this project is. And I know people were saying like, you know, there was there was a very dark time where we wanted Mourinho to come in. Let's remember that we were in very dark times. And I knew that the build this kind of project was not going to be something that happened with two or three seasons. But we're kind of in, I think, his third season at this point. Um, I could be wrong if you count kind of like when he came in, whatever, um, or a second full season or third full season, whatever you want to kind of measure it by. This is starting to be his team, right? And Rams, though, playing at the back, getting the left-footed center back that he wants, um, getting Zinchenko, getting Tamiyasu, um, Ben White doing a good job at right back when needed, which could actually be really, really important considering Tamiyasu's uh, really poor injury record as well as Kieran Tierney's. Um, you have Thomas Partey, which, um, depending on if you want to believe the rumors, we might be going after Tielemans. Um, and I'm not too sure really where he fits into the system, but... I'm at this point, when it comes to transfers, I let the club decide. I'm, I'm going to always support whoever player they bring in. Um, do I think Tillemans fits? I don't see how, but if they pick him, he has my support. I'm going to go 100% in and say, if this is what Arteta, Edu, Edu whatever, thinks is the right choice, then fine. That's the right choice. Um, so that's that. Um, so the aim has to be top four. No, no, I don't care. Something catastrophic might happen, um, like every single starter gets some type of injury, then I I personally would be like, all right, wait, whatever, fine. You know, I can't really argue with that. Um, but you can see where this team is going. You can see where the project is. You can start to see tangible things on the field that, wow, we went to Southhurst Park and we won. And that's that was not easy for Arsenal back, back when last season. So there is progress. And now we need to get Champions League football. We need it. We absolutely do. Um, next on the agenda is really who are Arsenal's main competitors and I know I'm going to get a lot of like hate for this but I don't see Chelsea as a competitor right now um, they really they really kind of grinded out a 1-0 win against Everton and Everton I think are going to really be near that bottom again because they've had a, such a poor transfer really a really poor transfer window I'm not really sure who they really brought in necessarily um, but then again I'm not an Everton fan but I don't see Chelsea as a competitor right now that defense still looks kind of depleted. Um, I know they brought in Koulibaly from Napoli, I believe. Um, and he's good. No complaints there. They might get uh, Aubameyang and Frankie De Jong. So we might see Alba back in the Premier League, which will be weird. But I actually don't really care if he goes to Chelsea. I don't care if he goes to, like, Spurs. I don't really care about where he goes in the Premier League. Just because, I don't know. Alba, he's like, do you, do you, man? I really don't mind. It's not like something, it's not like he, like, hmm, I'm not sure what the word is, but, like, he'll go where he's needed, right? Like, it's not like he was in, like, ingrained into the fabric of the club. Like, if Bellerin went to Spurs, I'd be like, what the fuck? But Alba's like, you know, go, you know, play your football. I don't really care. Um, but Frankie Jong would be a good signing for Chelsea because I think that they would need to revitalize that midfield as well as that defense. And they just signed away Timo Werner, so I don't really see them being a competitor, honestly, for now. Unless Tuchel and their new owner, the American, uh, was it Todd Bowley, something like that. Unless they go crazy in the, in the transfer market in these last couple of uh, uh, weeks or whatever, how long is left. I don't really see them as a competitor. I don't see Man U as a competitor. You know, No offense to all the Man U fans out there. I think it has to be Spurs and Arsenal going for that third and fourth place. I don't see any other team. West Ham might sneak in, but Spurs, as much as I hate to say, have done very well in the transfer market. 
Um, this could be their season where Conte really hits off, but then again, they said that about Mourinho and you know the history of the Tottenham. I got no really, I have no really concerns over that one. I don't really see them winning the trophy. They could qualify for Champions League, but if Arsenal really want to make a clear statement to the rest of the league that they're serious, that this project is for real, um, then cha- getting that Champions League qualification is is the key. Um, and I think it's safe to say that the Champions League has never been the same since Arsenal left, to be fair. But that's just my two cents. So this kind of question kind of arises where we obviously go project youth, project this, uh, you know, you know, all that stuff. Um, is this team good enough to win the Europa League season or Europa League next or this? I guess now this season. And I think they are. I think they absolutely are. The question will always be with this Arsenal team. Can they stay fit enough? to go across these competitions can they really sustain a Premier League push for top four as well as go into the Europa League um, and that really comes down to a question of depth um, and I think that's where the likes of maybe Vieira, Cedric will come into play when it comes to the group stages because Vieira he's, he's been injured so he doesn't really uh, have any league minutes under his belt or preseason minutes because he's been injured so I think that would be a great time to get him in there um Mo Smith Rowe seems like he's currently out of the team. I know he's always struggling with uh, fitness issues, so that'd be a great time to put him in there. The fact that we have Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nketiah, Nketiah, I'm sure has gotten a guarantee that he might get, or he should be getting Europa League games. You don't really sign him to a new deal and convince him to sign to a new deal if you're not guaranteeing him some type of playing time. I would be very surprised if he signed a contract saying, I'm okay being second string and barely playing games. Um, that's always been an issue. Um, so I think that he has some type of guarantee there. So my biggest concern is fitness, really making sure everybody stays fit. And it's hard to say that when we already have when the fullbacks are so crucial to our Teta system and we have two injury prone fullbacks, which is why the Zinchenko signing is really, really good. Um, that's really going to push tyranny, but also give our Teta some type of versatility back there in terms of uh, tyranny is more of like, let's bomb down the left wing. Let's let's really um, let's isolate that right ha- right hand side um, or that right back and really kind of overwhelm that right hand side for them, whoever we're playing. And Zinchenko kind of offers you uh, like that, versati- ver- that versatile fullback that can play as an inverted central midfielder and kind of connect passes and, you know, really just amazing on the ball. So he gives Arteta flexibility in that aspect as well as having ben white and cedric available um if needed i guess because tommy also again is so injury prone that ben white i mean he did extremely well against uh zaha who i think personally in my opinion is probably notoriously if not the best one-on-one winger in the premier league um i know people are gonna have arguments like well why is he playing for crystal palace i just when i watch him play like you know he's going to give that defender a shit show, bro. You know he's going to get under their skin. He's going to try and uh, bait the ref. He's going to try and kind of get those yellow cards out. He's, you know, we all we all kind of watch him. And there's no doubt about the talent and the skill. But it's hard to, um, it's hard not to give credit to Ben White for not getting sent off. Um, because you would imagine if Cedric was in there, he'd be very uh, tiptoeing that line if he was already on a yellow. Um, and so... Talking about Ben White, you also have to talk about Saliba, who, wow, what a first game. Generational talent. I know that gets thrown out, thrown around a lot, but I think William Saliba is a generational full, uh, center back. 
And I I've said I've said it since since he's uh since we signed him, I can see him going to Real Madrid easily. Um I don't really care if he does. That's part of the nature, Real Madrid, you know. I just hope that Arsenal are able to get a sizable fee for it. But, you know, there I remember somebody was calling him or a journalist or somebody said he was like the Mbappe of center backs and uh, I can see why. At Selhurst Park, tough environment. He was incredible. He was calm on the ball. He he tackled his tackling was on point every single time. And the, he's like what? Like in his really really early 20s, if that it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. We have such an incredible fullback on our hand. I mean, a center back on our hands. I cannot wait to see what else he does this season. And he, I wouldn't be surprised if he got called up to the to the World Cup squad. If he didn't already, I could be wrong. But wow, he deserves to be there. Incredible. And I mean, France already have an insane amount of talent. But we are extremely lucky to have Saliba right now. It just feels like a brand new signing. And the question really is, and I'm really curious to get you know everybody's thoughts on this. Do you believe that Arteta was right in loaning him out for the last, what is it, two or so, two or three years? And then getting back a more polished, more, uh, more, uh, fined, uh, footballer? He, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I, I now I kind of, un- I, I wasn't, had no problem with sending him out on loan. I was, I had no problem with that. Um, and, you know, at the, at the time, it made sense to me because it's like, you have a young kid who has a lot of raw potential, who could be one of the best in the world as a center back. Do you really want him playing next to, you know, Socrates, Mustafi, Pablo Mari? Like, is that really the environment you want to set up for him right that right now, or right uh, back then? But now we have Gabriel, we have Ben White, who are two really pretty solid center backs. I mean, I'm not gonna say they're perfect, but I feel like they're very solid. They're aggressive. They have a domineering um, uh, physical structure. I mean, and, and Williams a little bit next to uh, uh, Gabriel. That's a if you're a striker, you're like you know you're gonna be in for a rough show. But and I'm here. I'm not saying they're perfect, but I'm really happy with this defense right now, especially with Williams Saliba getting slotted in there. And I hope he stays. I mean, if you if Arteta drops him for some reason, like I don't know if he can really justify this kid plays amazingly well. He plays like a full blown adult. Like you would not think he's like barely coming into age as a footballer. Like he, in, absolutely incredible. Um, so I would hope that. And I mean, the question really is: Does Ben White get benched? Right? Does Ben White remain as a right back? Does he, when Tamiyasu is fully fit and ready to go, does he drop Ben White? Does Ben White, you know, make way for Saliba to start? It's an interesting problem, but it's a great problem to have when you have everybody healthy and you have so many players who can do the job in the starting 11 that you can trust um, and you we know Arteta is very heavy on like if he trusts a specific player that player is going to play if you fall out with him then that's another issue and that's something that I think Arteta needs to fix as a manager himself as he grows as a manager um, because I think you can argue that he he's, he's shown some signs in that first game um, like the changes that he made uh, I think um, Kieran Tierney came on and one more person came on I believe Odegaard came off. Gabriel Jesus came off. For any Kedia came on, um, and a couple minutes later we scored. So game management good could be better. Possibly could he made the changes earlier? Absolutely, but it's hard to argue we scored, and I think we won two zero. So you can argue. You could always argue, right? Well, he should have made the changes earlier. Well, we won two zero. He made the changes and we scored. The changes were an immediate impact. 
you know, you could argue that if if he didn't he made the change earlier, maybe they wouldn't have been as 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 uh, impactful. Um, because if you do it early in the game, people have a little bit more energy. People aren't as tired, but you bring it in towards the 80 some minute. You got a little bit more. Uh, you can kind of uh, those players can create that extra yard of space a lot quicker than someone who's been playing for the full 80 or for going for the full 90. Um, but that's my take on it. Um, so Gabriel Jesus, you can't really uh, do an Arsenal podcast right now without mentioning Gabriel Jesus. What a player, man. Jeez. And he, this is not the Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City. This is a guy who is really relishing that I'm the striker of this team. And he, he, he said in an interview, I don't want to be the superstar. I don't want to be like the main guy. And credit, I love it. Humble. We love to see it. But he is the main man, right? He's the number nine. He's our striker. He's the one that we want to be doing all the scoring, um, drawing in defenders, running into the box. It's almost like having a combination of Alba and Lacazette, but without the height of Aubameyang. Um, and but Gabriel, he can shoot, he can dribble, he can score, he can you know he chases down defenders. We have got a full blown striker here, people. And it's no disrespect to Lacazette, it's no disrespect to Aubameyang, but wow, Gabriel Jesus on the field for Arsenal, even during preseason, you were like, you saw him play against Orlando City. Um, against um what's that one the one team from uh that very first game we played where we were down 2-0 and then we came back and won like 5-2 or 4-2 or whatever it was you just saw him and the way he like connected the pieces together and you just were like what a breath of fresh air this is the fucking piece we've been missing surprisingly for this long right we finally have a striker that does what Arteta wants in this system right and it everything flows through him almost right he draws in defenders he's able to chase defenders down he's able to get into tight spaces he's able to dribble i mean even in the first opening minutes right he i think he made the palace defender beat two or three um tried to take the shot off a rebounded to martinelli and then uh, martinelli put it wide with his left foot um, which is unfortunate because man if gabriel jesus would have scored that i would have bought myself a gabriel jesus jersey right then and there but in all seriousness this guy transforms the team and he fits so perfectly well and i'm so happy with that um so Arteta he had two strikers right he had Aubameyang he had Lacazette the question really kind of became should he have been more flexible with Aubameyang Lacazette should he have really tried to kind of get the best out of them right my take on it is no if I'm gonna be honest um I mean, we ended up uh, shipping out Aubameyang regardless, but it comes to a point where, and it's it's interesting because I've heard I heard a lot of people say this about Liverpool, where Jurgen Klopp didn't have the players he wanted, but he implemented a style, and the players had to adapt to that style, right? And then as the years went on, he went into dipped into the transfer market, got players that can actually play the positions, but you knew from the get go what they wanted to do, right? There was an attempt. You saw. You were able to kind of tangibly see it and grab it and you're like yep this is the t- we want a high press high intensity high energy uh, footballing team and even though he didn't have the players he needed he still kind of implemented that style um and i think there's no real difference with arteta right he was not going to allow Aubameyang to dictate the style of play to fit him um maybe people were going to say that you know he should have but you can't say the same thing about Liverpool and then say the, say something different about Arsenal. 
Arteta kind of has a specific way of playing football. It's very specific. Um, you know, people kind of call it Man City B, Man City Light, whatever, right? Where they keep the ball. They want a striker that can press and do all these different things. A very versatile defender. Um, or a very versatile striker that will also defend with uh, intensity. So, Aubameyang wasn't that def- that striker. He's never really been he's been that striker. I mean, everyone always talked about Aubameyang's pace, but I never really saw it necessarily. Like, for someone that is known for their pace, I've never really seen him use it that much in terms of a counterattacking system, except maybe at Dortmund. I mean, even at Barcelona, he's not really kind of running in behind. He's never really been doing that, but he does have pace. So, I mean, I personally think it just wasn't a good fit for the system and i'm okay with sending him off even even though there was a clear attempt to bring in a striker in that january transfer window with vlaovic really really close and people are kind of making fun of arsenal for for not getting him um but i don't think arsenal stayed that long into the into the race for uh vlaovic unless they had an indication that they were close to getting where there was an opportunity to seal the deal um, because i think at that point um the terms with fiorentina were fine we were ready to pay the fee, whatever the fee was at the time. Can't remember, but the the player obviously didn't want to go to Arsenal. He wanted to go. He wanted to stay in Italy. He wanted to go to Juventus. And if I remember correctly, it's not really going too well for him. So, kind of worked out. Um, I know he's had some difficult times there, but you know, whatever. I'm happy with Gabriel Jesus. I'm happy with Eddie Enkedia. Personally, I would love to have a third striker. Doesn't even have to be a young guy. But someone with a physical presence up top, like a very tall, like, you know, your Giroud, Andy Carroll, um, you know, Harry Kane, um, Ibrahimovic, like a very strong presence um, to really bully those defenders. Because whether we agree with it or not, Gabriel Jesus and Eden Katia are not domineering figures. Um, they're more of like your little pacey strikers who will probably apply pressure, which is nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you need a very strong physical presence up there. And that's the only issue I have with Arsenal right now is that attack looks young, which is great, but it does look fragile, right? It does look weak a little bit when it comes to um, if they're going against your your strong, typical center back and fullback, right? You know, Saka isn't necessarily a tough, big guy. Martinelli definitely is not a tough, big guy. Gabriel Jesus is not. And Ian Ketty is not. Odegaard is not. You don't really hit the big guys till you hit that center defensive mid position in uh uh, Thomas Party. So that's really the only issue I have is if we're getting bullied off the park, you know, which I don't see Gabriel Jesus actually happening because um, I could tell that he's really a fighter. I'm not saying that everyone else isn't, but, you know, I, w- I would love to have like that third plan C, plan B, whatever, um, where if we need to really just desperately change the dynamic of the of, of the play and we have already Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Ketty on the pitch, bring in the big guy. Let him, you know, grab onto any cross because I mean, reminiscent of, and I don't like to think about it, it's like those the we the that one Spurs game we did like twenty seven crosses, and there was we we didn't have anybody. Who, I mean, Aubameyang didn't go for headers, so I didn't really expect us to really do anything with those crosses. So to have somebody like that would be just a great thing in the back pocket. Someone who's at the end of their career, maybe, you know, just okay to be on the bench, happy to be, you know, hey, I'm happy to be here. You know, I'm at Arsenal. You know, what I'm saying I'm getting, I'm getting paid. You know, I might get, I might go in, I might not. I don't really care. I'm getting my paycheck. You know, so that's something that's the only concern I really have with that attack. But from from down from like goalkeeper to midfield, it's great. Um, I do think Thomas Party needs a some type of competition, sometimes a backup. Um, I know Lakonga's supposed to be like the heir to that um, and see how that goes. But honestly, I'm not really sure. Um, 
so moving on to the transfer window, right? It's not it's not done and dusted yet. Um, I know Arsenal are looking at a possibly a winger. I know that guy for uh, the guy uh, Gakpo. I think he plays in uh, the Netherlands, um, and a lot of clubs are interested in him. Um, not sure if they'll really go for him. Um, I do think it would be nice to get a winger and a central midfielder and a striker. Um, but I think that central midfielder and winger might be just more important than a striker. I think we can make do for the first couple of uh, months of the season until the next transfer window. I mean, I'm not too sure if the January transfer window is technically going to be open. I'm not too sure how that works with the World Cup, honestly. But we do need to bring in just – I would love to bring in just – just a couple more players, just two players max or minimum, I guess, because I do want that tall striker. Um, you know, just bring Drew back on a, like a on a year's loan. I mean, I don't know if people really want him back after that whole Chelsea thing, but it would be nice. So a winger and a central midfielder, central mid- midfielder would seems like to all signs seems to be pointing to uh, Yuri Tielemans from Leicester, and it's ironic that we play them at the weekend. So he he will be showing up. I'm sure he will be there to entertain Arteta and see and you know make sure he puts on a good display. So speaking of transfer no, let's talk about the outgoings. Um, Pablo Mari seems set to leave for, uh, I forgot what the new team of the name, but some team in, that just got promoted, I think, to Serie A. Uh, that seems to be almost a done deal with a clause that if they stay up in the Serie A, if they do not get relegated to Serie B, there is a clause in there from reports, not saying because I don't do reporting, uh, from reports that I've read that if they do stay up, then that does mean that there's a mandatory buy clause if they do stay up. So fingers crossed that they stay up because I don't want Paul Lamari back. No offense. Um, Lucas Torreira sealed his deal to Galatasaray along with the uh, Mertens actually too. I saw them. Uh, I saw like all the videos going around online of them kind of drinking and in the middle of the night and getting to the airport. And I'm not going to lie. I don't think Torreira looks happy with that move. I definitely think Torreira has grown very, very accustomed to Italy. And, <laughs> and, uh, going to Turkey, I don't think he's very happy about it. I think um, Arsenal maybe pushed it towards that way because they just want to offload him, and maybe they offered him a generous package. So there you go. Bellerin. Um, Bellerin's always been a stand-up guy. Jeez. Uh, one of the players that I've always admired, not just from – I mean, when he came to the team, incredible player. Unfortunate that injuries kind of stopped his development. But always been, his boy's been like a good human being, a class act, and – uh, reports are saying that uh, he's willing to forego his contract if Arsenal let him leave. Um, they don't have to pay out. I think the, but the I think the idea is that they don't have to pay the rest of his contract. He or he's more than happy to uh, forego it. That way he can get the move to uh, Betis, or Betis in La Liga. Um, and I mean, how do you say no? You know what I mean? How's Arsenal say no? I'm surprised they didn't get it done. Like, fine, go. I mean, Arteta, I'm sure doesn't want to use him. You know, there's been no indication that he wants to use him. There's no indication in preseason that he wants to use him. There's been no really indication that he wants to use him at all. And if he's willing to, like, just say, hey, you don't have to pay me the rest of my contract, then fine. Let him go. Like, what is the loss here? Um, I just don't know what else you can really do in that situation. And now we get to Pepe, right? And... And I'm sorry if I missed anybody because I'm kind of getting this uh, episode out just because I really want, want, I've really been thinking about this for legitimate weeks, guys, just to get a podcast out, get like get the wheels turning again, just start talking on the mic again and bring, you know, get back into the groove and then start bringing in guests and start really getting this thing going over again um, because I do enjoy doing this and 
I, I uh, you know, sometimes life happens. But Pepe leaving may be extremely contingent on how, or sorry, getting the winger. I would not be surprised would be very contingent on if Pepe stays or not. Um, because if I remember correctly, we have payment plans or like a yearly payment, whatever the situation is with Lille still. So even if we sell Pepe, we might end up out of that deal still owing money to Lille, right? Because they don't really care if we have Pepe or not. If we sell Pepe off or we, you know, we pay off his contract, whatever the situation is, Lille will still expect their money regardless for the player that we bought. So it might be more of a financial constraint for the club to say, even if we sell Pepe, we still have an extra 25 mil above the money that we brought in that we still have to pay Lille. And then finding a winger, right? So I would not be upset if Pepe stayed, really. I feel like he's kind of a bit of a wild card. Arteta doesn't rate him to do the things that he wants to do. I think the talent is there. It's just not a good fit. There's really no other way to say it. There's no other way to go around it. It's never really been a good fit. And it's really unfortunate <laughs> because I don't blame Arteta. I don't blame Pepe. Um, this is really a Raul Sanyehi mess. He brought in Pepe for this big fee. Um, and it was, it was that was kind of like the epitome of Raul Sanyehi, right? Bringing in all these players, um, uh, you know, that were under very suspicious agents like Gia Karapkin. And I'm glad it's over, but, like, Pepe is kind of like that last remnant of that old regime, right? And, again, no fault to his own. I do not hate Pepe. I do not think he's trash. I don't think he's, like, shit. I think he's a gifted footballer who needs the right system to thrive. Um, and that's really it. Um, I wouldn't mind if Pepe stayed um, as a wild card, you know, you know, throw the kitchen sink. As as you know, Arsene Wenger used to say, sometimes you need to play. You need to play with the handbrake off, and Pepe kind of is like that handbrake off kind of player. Like he's kind of you don't know what he's gonna do. You don't know he's very spontaneous. He's skillful. He's quick. So who knows? Maybe this this is season where he, you know, he he gets his head on straight and just does what the manager wants. I don't know, but it's hard to see him. You know, getting past Bakayo Saka. You know, another really incredible talent there. That. You, you you can't see him ever being benched <laughs> at that point um so that's really where i'm gonna leave it guys it's we have a lot to talk about the season just started i am so hyped for this season i'm i, I am after that crystal palace win i am absolutely hyped i just i i have really high hopes for this team and i think everybody does you can see how the team is playing you can see the belief in each other you can see the camaraderie you can see the connection with the fans things are changing at arsenal and I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, it's all because of Arteta. No, like, the club, the people behind the club are all doing the job. You know, Arteta, I think it was the um, the catalyst for this. And he got rid of players. He, you know, whether or not you're good with oh, play, paying players off, blah, blah, blah. At this point, just clean the house. I really don't care. I believe in what Arteta is doing. Do I think he's going to take us to the Champions League final and win the Champions League? I don't know. I don't know. He's still young. There's no, there's never really been a president for Arteta. Um, but uh, I like what I see on the pitch. I like the words that, are, that he's saying. I like the system that he's trying to implement. I love the togetherness. I love all that. Um, I did have a question about the All or Nothing documentary. I have not watched it. Um, I have not yet to watch it. I will watch it, of course. Uh, you, you, you can expect that. Um, but... I've been I've had a lot of things going on, but I do want to watch it. That's going to be very interesting. And what I might do is do like a 
review from like one to three episodes one to three and i think someone mentioned that episodes four or five and six or four just came out so i might do that i'm not gonna do a review for every single episode because that's a lot of work guys come on i you guys are lucky you're in this after like what a year or two years um, but <laughs> no i'm kidding so i'm gonna try and do something with that and besides that um it's it's good to come back onto the mic. It's good to finally talk about Arsenal again, especially in a in a in a really glowing light. Because if you look at the previous podcast episode since day one, when I used to do when I was doing this with Derek, um, we were talking about you know should should Wenger leave? Should you know are you are you Wenger in Wenger out? Uh, then we moved to Unai Emery in Unai Emery out, uh, and now we're here with Arteta. And it's kind of really incredible to watch how the conversations progress right over the years and things change and players change and it's 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 just fun to do honestly and to look back at how we how opinions change over time and so no matter what even if i do this podcast once a year i'll still do it because i enjoy it and i enjoy getting everybody's opinions and feedback and it's always amazing for the support um people sometimes will ask me you know when is the next pod coming out and people kind of give up at obviously because it's been over a year i think and I'm, i'm almost embarrassed to say that um, but I always kind of appreciate it. Like people still ask, like, um, you know, you know, when are you going to record a podcast again? And it just kind of it means a lot to everybody asking that they actually, you know, will listen to the podcast. And, and it means a lot to me. And it definitely means a lot to Derek as well. He handles a lot of the social media stuff. And we all we honestly do appreciate everybody asking. And I'm going to do my best to really get back on top of it and really give a podcast at least once every month. You know what I mean? That's the least I can do. Um, so that's where I'm going to leave it, guys. I appreciate all your support. Um, please make sure to sign up on Patreon for, you know, what, what, what do podcasters say? You know, sign up on Patreon for a dollar a month or whatever. But we don't have a Patreon. Uh, we're not that big yet, guys. Um, this will always be free. There will be no ads um, unless you really need money. You know what I mean? Because I got I to gotta eat, guys. I really got to eat. But all right. I've dragged this out long enough. Um, so, But in all seriousness, if you like the podcast, do the whole review thing on podcasts or whatever you guys, uh, whatever you guys listen this through. Um, you know, we want to talk to as many fans as possible, get as many people listening. All right, guys. All right. So, guys, this is your host, Christopher Tangrief, and I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>